everyone is going to fail. You got to look for it in others and be able to volunteer and become a servant leader to help them out through that moment in time. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, he's the Senior Director of Business Development at Personiv, Steve Casey. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Darren. Doing great. Thanks a lot for having me today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, where are you calling in from today? Austin, Texas. Uh, out west of Austin, Texas. <laughs> Good old Austin, Texas. Hook them horns. Well, Steve, my favorite question of the podcast is if you could think back to a, a kid or, or teenage Steve, do you have a first memory of leadership or a first leadership role that you can remember? Yeah, I do. Actually, you know, the, the, the best way I can answer that question, Darren, is the first time I really remember and never forgot uh, somebody being a mentor to me from who I learned my first example of leadership, honestly, and then tried to apply it later on in life. Never forgot it. So it was a pretty profound impact when you're playing tackle football at age 10 in your first year of playing it in Northern Virginia. My dad was stationed at the Pentagon, but playing football and I wasn't doing as well as I thought. And they put me on the line and maybe an O-lineman and a defensive lineman. And um, one day, uh, one of the coaches took me aside, sat down and said, hey, Stephen, what you need to do, I want you to look at me, get down your set position and growl, just growl. Let your personality come out. Just be all out. Be Go for it. Just go for it. Growl and come hit me. I said, growl, coach? And he said, yeah, just growl. Just you know, have some fun with this. And so from that moment on, flipped a switch in my head at age 10, and all the sports activities I was in, I played a lot of sports, usually three years. So um, I took, I, I never forgot that guy looking at me and um, telling me to do that. And uh, and I did. And it turned my world around and I became pretty dominant <laughs> at age 10 on that little offensive and defensive line. But, was, but I never forgot, I always used it in all my other sports, Went just, you know, decided to go for it and, and not worry about everybody else around me you know, on the other team, et cetera, right? Do my best, do my personal best and have a lot of fun with it. And it took the pressure off. So um, I used that and everything else I did. And especially when I got into sports later on in life, you know, through junior high and high school. And I, I might not have been the most vocal guy on the sideline before getting out into the football field. But when I was on the field and stepped onto the field of battle or into the arenas, you know, we would call it then, I had fun. I let it all come out. Didn't care about what others thought and went for it and led on the field by personal example. So that's what that guy showed me. And that's what I tried to emulate and do later on. That's a, that's an awesome memory. The, let me hear your growl. And then that growl has, has followed you from, uh, from, from, <laughs> yeah. since, from since that time. So that's, that's great. Thanks for sharing, Steve. Could you uh, just share a little bit more about your background and where you're from, Steve? Sure. Yeah. I grew up a military brat, which means I grew up moving all over the country. My dad was in the Air Force. So we lived all over the place, coast to coast. And then uh, I decided we, we ended up in Nebraska. I'm a diehard Nebraska Cornhusker fan. Uh, you can't live there and not be that. So I decided to uh, try to find a way out of the state and college to have an adventure. I just wanted to do something different and um, applied for uh, ROTC scholarships, applied to go to academies, anything I could get to get to some school out there. I knew I needed to win something to get somewhere and to have more of an adventure. So West Point accepted me. I was surprised. And I went out to West Point from the state of Nebraska and was very surprised day one in the Army <laughs> to find out what it was really about. But uh, I, I learned about the Air Force growing up. I didn't know anything about the Army. And day one at West Point was a trip. 
That was your first intro to uh, to the Army coming from the Air Force world? It was. How was that experience at West Point? It was, um, I mean, obviously, it was a bit of a shock for you. It was indeed, you know, and I mean, overall, fantastic experience. As you know, Darren, talking to uh, West Point grads or any Academy grads, including your dad and yourself, that first year is not fun at all, hardly. Army basic training and everything else is a plebe that first year, but you do learn a lot. You learn a lot of lessons. It did force me to learn a lot of other leadership things. Uh, I learned about leadership traits and techniques that I liked um, that would try to emulate later from leaders, senior leaders above me at West Point, the other cadets. I learned about things that didn't work for me. I didn't like and would swear and swore I would never do to other people when I was a leader in the army and elsewhere. So you learn a lot. Um, you learn a lot in a fast-paced environment, and you really almost learn, I think, the Pareto principle, how to focus your time on the top most important task, 20% of tasks, produce 80% of your results, how to time block better, um, how to go after goals and not forget them. You know, you realize what's important, and you're in an environment of integrity, honor and integrity, and that was just critical. So all those things were fantastic lessons to learn. It was a great experience for four years. Great. And then you transitioned, you commissioned into the Army as a infantry officer, correct? Um, how, yes, I how did. Was that, how was that transition from, you know, West Point world, it's our, our very, you know, controlled environment there, to now you're you're free to the rest of, uh, rest of the world in, in your career there? Yes, indeed. Yeah, you sure are, right? Um, it's a different world when you're out on your own and uh, still going through schools, an infantry officer, basic course uh, you have to do, the officer basic course or leadership course, um, and then ranger school after that. I chose infantry come out of West Point because I knew I couldn't fly. My color vision wasn't good enough. So I figured if I'm going to be in the Army, I'll try to do something else tough, you know, and prove myself. And I knew I would get the school slot along with it to go to ranger school. And I really wanted to go through a crucible and really have a test, basically. Um, I don't know if I was a glutton for punishment or just uh, <laughs> like the idea uh, of getting earning something special in the Army before I showed my first real assignment. So uh, I had chosen the 101st Airborne Division to go to, you know, and we could take Darren all day long. I'm sure you have with others talking about Ranger School or other special selection schools that exist across the whole military and really the lessons you learn from that. I learned some really critical, important ones. And I definitely used them uh, right when I started with my first infantry platoon of 40 men I was in command of uh, at the 101st Airborne. And absolutely use them in a combat environment, in a war zone environment later on. What are, uh, what are some of those lessons that you took away from the basic course in Ranger School that you can remember very vividly applying once you took over that platoon? Right. Well, the basic course, the Trump's basic course was a lot about relatability to people from all their backgrounds beyond West Point. So ROTC backgrounds, National Guard, just everybody, all shapes and sizes of us, and lots of us in that school made a lot of great friends and, and just a great experience. But Ranger School, that for when I went, it was a fun 70-day-long experience, so 10 weeks long in the wintertime, four phases, eight jumps, five of which we did, three were canceled weather. But um, so uh, the challenges there, though, were that we had to learn that in that course, everyone is going to fail. You're eventually going to have your physical or mental failure moment. It's just going to happen. And you can't let it get you down if you fail a patrol. You can't let it down if you physically fail for one moment in time because you're just wiped out and worn out. We have to drive on um, and just keep going. We learned about encouragement, encouraging your, your fellow students in that class, um, all the people around you. Because when you know everyone's going to get down, you got to look for it in others and be able to volunteer and become a servant leader to help them out through that moment in time. It might last a few hours or more for them. Um, but uh, you really learn how much 
how much pain you can actually really take and how to mentally get through it. And I always said coming out of the course, you can take probably 30% more than you think you can. And, um, and it helped a lot because I knew how much my men in the army and an infantry platoon could actually endure and go through and what they could not. And when our break, when the breaking points would start happening, and that was critical on my first night um, of the ground war and desert storm back in uh, 1991. So it was a very long night, but um, I could tell you lessons about that all day long, but uh, just, it really bleeds into something that, uh, that I think was a great, one of my biggest lessons for all of my years in the army and a manufacturing operations and sales and growing a company and starting another business. And whether it's operation sales, one of the biggest lessons that I found I learned along the way, Darren, was really highlighted very well by Jim Collins in his book, Great by Choice. There's a chapter he has in there on the 20-mile march. And if anyone who's listening has not read that chapter about the 20-mile march and knows what that is, to me, it was critical. And glad to unwrap that with you or go back and answer a question about Ranger School or the Army and other leadership lessons learned. Sure. Yeah. I'd like to ask about that. You, you did mention something about everyone will fail. And so sometimes that fear of failure is, is what holds people back from trying or attempting or pushing themselves past that, you know, what, what they think their ability is, be that that 30% or more, like you were talking about. Do you have any advice for someone who has a great degree, degree of that fear of failure and is a little hesitant to, to give things a shot? Yeah, definitely. Um, first off, that's just natural. And, you know, encourage is taking action in spite of fear. So I'd say that was a great quote I learned when I was young. I think as a kid out of West Point, definitely in the infantry, I heard a lot um, from our Vietnam veterans. Back then, when I was a 22-year-old infantry platoon leader, my platoon sergeant was one of the last of the breed of Vietnam veterans, highly decorated Vietnam veterans. So it was my, my first uh, sergeant for our company. So um, they, they would talk about that, and I trusted what they would tell me. Uh, so, um, but yes... <sighs> failure is natural. It's going to happen at some point or another. You just have to accept the fact. And I think the biggest things I learned were, number one, it's not all on me all the time. Okay. So to anyone aspiring to be a leader, it's not always on you. Yes, there are lonely times as a leader, and we'll talk about that here later, but but you cannot boil the ocean. Somebody told me that once in sales. You're not Don't boil the ocean. Quit trying to do everything at once all the time on your own. You know, you're not the master of the universe. God already has that responsibility to so take that weight off your shoulders. Just step inch by inch, yard by yard, do your 20 mile march every day. And, you know, when you're grounded in a firm foundation, by the way, the other part of it's psychological. I think that people should know whatever, whatever your faith is or your foundation is, have one or get one, you know, a belief, core values, beliefs that give you a rock solid foundation so that you know Hey, I'm not a failure overall. I'm a forgiven person. Stuff happens. I can drive on. I can learn. I can do better. And that's it. And that's life. And no one in the world is perfect. Not one. Only one ever was. Jesus was perfect. I am not him. So I have a right to fail. <laughs> so do you, Darren. So is everybody. And that's just life. It's always how we learn the best lessons are from something that doesn't go right. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Steve. Uh, oh, you mentioned again, the 20 mile march, and that was a book by Jim Collins. Could you speak more about that, that book and the impact it had on you? Yes, definitely. Uh, first off, there is a great audio out there. Uh, I heard uh, by a guy named Chris Brady, found uh, founder of uh, the life organization, life leadership and a bestselling author. And he does a great tape on that and, and parlays it to the business world. But in Jim Collins book, 20 mile march is a story of two different people that raced in the year 1911 to get to the South Pole, Antarctica. 
And um, they set off with the same equipment, same skills, everything set off apart from each other, though. But one team made it. No problem. And got back. No problem. The other team took 36 days longer and they stopped 10 miles short and died before they hit at the uh, South Pole. The only it's a horrible thing. But the, the, the story is that one team that, that made it uh, led by Amund, Amundsen's name. They went 20 miles a day, no matter what. They did a 20-mile march every single day. Good conditions, bad conditions, didn't matter what. They didn't go on. If they went 20 miles and got there in half the time on a beautiful day, they stopped and rested. If they had to go 20 miles and it took, you know, all day long on a bad weather day, they did it no matter what. The other team didn't. They went as far as they could in good conditions. They would stop and rest through the bad conditions. That really messes you up mentally you know, as well, by the way, when you lack consistency. And so some of the great lessons um, for the 20 mile march uh, that I, that I like in that chapter of the book, and I realized I had happened to me in life where uh, your equipment and skills are not all that matters. <laughs> um, there'll be, there'll never be enough, excuse me, perfect days. Don't wait for them and don't set your sights on them. You know, uh, don't delay your action. Don't wait for the right perfect time. It's just not going to happen. Um, number three was consistency is key. Number four, break your goals into manageable bits, you know, and uh, number five, don't overdo anything. Just don't overdo it uh, to the point of absolute exhaustion. That happened to me as a lieutenant platoon leader new on a live exercise one time. And, and when I tried to do way too much stuff in one day before taking my unit uh, out on a, an exercise that night and really wiped myself out and did not honor the rest period. So there's a lot to that book. I highly recommend reading that and especially that story about what happened to those guys in Antarctica. Um, but a good summary of it uh, I'd found as well as a guy named um, Jarek Robbins. He's a consultant and uh, does a real neat summary online about it. Okay. No, sounds like a great book. Jim Collins, great by choice. That's great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great by choice. I appreciate that with the 20 miles, you know, having that goal every day, rain, rain, snow, sunshine, uh, whatever yeah. it is, have those goals and stick with it and, and make sure you're not pushing yourself uh, past Past, you know, that, right. that point where it's it's too exhausting to go another day. Trust your consistency and activity. Just do that. Have the right foundation mentally to help you out when hard times hit. But um, trust consistency of action. Just go after it. You know, take have a bias for action is what he taught. Ranger School teaches you that too. Bias for action. Your only choices there are when you're just wiped out, it's freezing, it's 20 degrees. Guess what? Ranger, pick up the ruck, put your rucksack on your back and move out. What are you going to do? Sit and die by the tree? You know, that's your option or fail out, get kicked out, pick up and go. I mean, <laughs> be consistent every single day. I had to learn that. I saw it happen in the Army, the regular Army, through things like Aristotle School and other, other events out there, other tests and special selection things that I went through. Uh, you know, I could do a 12-mile march in two hours and 45 minutes, and I knew it. If I stayed consistent and steady all the way through in a fast walking pace, other people will take off running with their 60 pounds on and collapse and stop and not make it and fail. And like consistency of action, people just step by step, go after it every single day. So just lessons that I, I yeah, worked out in my life. Yeah. Every single day, get after it. So I'll shift to kind of a, one of the big themes of this show, which is living leaderly. It's the, it's the podcast name and it's our idea on the team that leadership isn't tied to a position, a title. You don't have to be a CEO to be a leader. You don't have to be a platoon leader to be a leader. And so, if, uh, Steve, if you could think about some of the leaders that have been most impactful to you throughout your life, in what ways uh, did they live leaderly in, in the days, in the months, in the weeks with you? I've fortunately, I've been around a lot 
I mean, I, I was very fortunate in my unit in the Army that I had a lot of excellent leaders, a whole lot. Um, and they just simply, the examples they set just simply um, showed that they were, again, grounded. They had a firm foundation. They were confident, not overly so. They weren't prideful or egotistic. They didn't let their pride or ego get a hold of them in debating a certain point with their with their people that work for them or something. They show consistency. But most importantly, you knew with these people, they cared about you They would because they would listen to you. They would engage with you. They would encourage you, just like a good coach does. A great leader is a great coach. It's not based on personality, by the way. I always, you know, when I was young, I thought I had to have this personality that was like the very, you know, best ever, but it's not true. There's four main personality types, and some might not be as apt to be as vocal as others, like me on the football field. When I got on the field, I was vocal, but I was very focused. I wasn't off the field. You know, when you're out in a manufacturing environment, operations, army, wherever, um, and I've seen great leaders across the board in every environment I've been in, they were, like I said, encouragers, listeners. They provided the opportunity to discuss things. They communicated the big picture frequently to everyone. They made people, they, they encouraged others to talk about others. They were servant leaders in the truest sense of the word, you know, the sense of the word. They would volunteer to support others. They would go out of their way to look for a way to help somebody out. You know, I mean, that's, those are simple things, but, and again, it's not personality based. It's just, uh, you know, I just do, if I, if I'll just step out of my comfort zone a little bit, if I'm willing to go show someone some encouragement or help, I'm willing to listen and not just talk. Uh, those basic learning points we all have to have across every environment we're in, in the work world, you know, business world, um, we can do, you know, a lot better I think one of the things that I'd learned taken from the army to when I first went to work in manufacturing and had about 50 people reporting to me years ago, I decided one morning to go put a little post-it notes for a few people it really knocked it out of the park on Friday, uh, the day before, you know, before the weekend, did a lot of great things. And, and I came in on Monday morning and I found that one of the, one of the ladies there was actually teary eyed and, uh, and couldn't talk much. And I, I asked our team leader, what's up with, uh, with her today? said, well, you gave her this note. It was amazing. No one's ever written her a note ever. And she was around 60 years old. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And I realized, aha, there it is. Communicate to people, encourage people, (laughs) take an extra step, communicate with everyone on a frequent basis, you know, basically share the love. I mean, it might sound like a coined phrase, but it is indeed true. Make make people feel appreciated, be consistent. All all those things make a big difference. And you don't have to be at the tip of the pyramid to do that. You can be you know, anyone on that Anywhere. team. And that, that kind of sh- uh, transitions to uh, next kind of big theme is our belief that anyone can learn to lead. Like whether you're the CEO or whether you're more of a worker bee, um, is that something that also resonates with you, Steve, that anyone can learn to lead? Yes, definitely. Because number one, like we said, understand you can't be perfect and never will be. So take the weight off. You know, like we also said, don't boil the ocean. It's not all your responsibility. Um, you don't have to be a master in anything. Take your consistent actions daily, like we talked about, but uh, learn at night. So, for example, if you're working during the day, take your consistent action and learn on your own. And by the way, the best leaders are indeed learners, no doubt. You know, uh, I had some great mentors here in the business world that that told me, hey, you need, Steve, you need to read one book a month. You need to listen to at least one audio a day. You know, I mean, even if it's just 15 minutes of reading a night, you're going to get a book done. And um, always learn beyond where you're at. Never be satisfied and think you know it all because you just don't. <laughs> you're going to know less at a higher level, the higher you go. So um, 
uh, be the best servant. Also, a lot of mentors taught, you know, told me to, to do. And uh, if you have a real problem with, uh, with, with thinking you don't have personality for it, here's how a leader can learn to lead that thinks again, they don't have the skills or, or, the, or the ability to even have discourse with people. They can go show up at a church and be a door greeter, volunteer for the door greeting team. I did that once. It made me smile a lot more than I ever was comfortable doing. It made me engage everyone. And I realized then it's not on me. It's about me helping them out, helping them have a good day. You know, it's one way to get out of your comfort zone or your shell a little bit if you're kind of like that. So um, all kinds of things you can do, but read, listen, seek mentorship, by the way. Best thing I, I did, and also and a very important thing I failed early on, was go after and find a mentor that has the fruit on the tree and every very major very important to you, you know, and don't, uh, don't fail to get a mentor, whether you're a college student, whether you are going in, into, you know, the working world after college, find a mentor with fruit on the tree with the right values and foundation of that, um, that is willing to talk with you and, and you're willing to be accountable to failing to be accountable to someone else. Uh, like I said, it's just, uh, it's, they can see things you can't see yet. They have a paradigm you don't have yet. So I had to learn that the hard way. And then I, and then I got to experience the benefits of that for many, many years. Find a mentor with, with fruit on the tree. And, and so Steve, we're about to uh, close out shortly. Wanted to kick it back over to you though, if you had any other thoughts for the podcast. Um, you know, uh, I know we talked about consistent effort. Figure out what that is for you based on the goals you have, what your organization is having you do, but, but bias for action, ruck up and move out. Again, people that are like me that can get sucked down into the minutia of things that want to boil the ocean can slow down taking action. Not good. You know, if it's if you hit the office at eight o'clock is start time for whatever you're doing in the morning or whatever your situation is, um, execute. Just go and do that action you'd plan to do and save the other stuff for when it's done. You'll get to it and it's probably not urgent, you know, and important. So, so rock up and move out. Do your 20 mile march, you know, have your goals backed by a vision that matters to you. So keep pulling you through the lonely times. Lonely times will happen. So my last note would be understand leadership can get lonely occasionally. It's not an excuse not to do it. It's just that you get worn down eventually in certain situations when it's just tough day after day after day for a long time period. So don't forget, you know, that foundation you have, again, whether it's faith for you, like it is for me, you know, Christian faith, I got a foundation in God. I know I can resort back to that. And number two, I have a mentor I'm accountable to who will tell me to watch out. I'm not doing what I should do. You know, uh, they can see it in me when I don't see it. If I have those two things going on, I'm going to be protected a lot more from those lonely moments. You know, so um, ruck up, be consistent, be protected, you know, and keep learning. Just don't forget to learn and don't kill yourself over little things. You know, don't boil the ocean again. Don't be master of the universe. Just get out there and, and move and smile and love others and you'll just do great over time. Move, smile and love others and, and you'll uh, the rest will take care of itself. So, Steve, thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing your story and sharing your thoughts. Uh, really appreciate you. Our guest today, Steve Casey. And for all those listening, thank you again for joining us here on the Live Leader We podcast.